Welcome to the Yoga Liberty Podcast. I'm super excited today to be joined by Lily Allen Duenas. She is from Wild Yoga Tribe. She also has a podcast where she interviews diff- a different yoga instructor from all over the world every week, which is very exciting. And today she's going to be telling us her origin story. So she's going to talk to us a little bit about what it was like before she became a yoga teacher, how sh- her life has changed since she's been teaching yoga, what she did to become a yoga teacher and what she's doing now. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. Oh, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here with you too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you became a yoga teacher and what your life was like. Yeah. So I was working in marketing management. I was doing that for about seven years and was volunteering on a lot of boards of directors in my community or in with service organizations. I was really passionate about anything related to the arts and service. And so I was commissioning murals for the city from artists uh, in the Midwest, as well as we had some international, like a great one from Lisbon. And um, yeah, just helping outwards organizations, but I was spreading myself pretty thin. And at this point in time, you might not believe it, but burnout wasn't a word. No one said burnout, (laughs) but it was a thing and I was experiencing it. Um, And I'd been practicing yoga since I was 16. So I was still uh, practicing at that time, uh, four or five times a week and just really loving it. Um, But what I was doing before yoga came into my life was definitely marketing, still a little bit of yoga, um, service, volunteering, and just helping out in the art community. Awesome. Awesome. And so what made you not want to do marketing anymore? Well, I actually still do marketing. I still, oh, you do? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I do a little freelance work. Um, I was a digital nomad. So when I was traveling, uh, doing all my certifications, as well as teaching, um, I spent about three years with a backpack around Asia and Europe and teaching oh, and cool. learning and growing and was doing the digital nomad thing at the same time. Uh, copywriting, graphic design, website, social media, all that stuff. I was lucky that in my nonprofit roles as marketing manager, I had to do everything, you know, like it just wasn't Mm -hmm. one hat and one size fits all. It was like, oh, she's going to do it all. So I wanted to, I I developed a lot of skills and that was great. And so they served me well when I was traveling. And now that I've, uh, COVID changed everything. And so now that I'm uh, located in the US, I actually just moved back, got an apartment in October of 2022. So it it was a pretty fresh we just moved into a house in november we've been living uh on our sailboat and in a camper for the last five years so i know what you mean totally get <laughs> that really 100%. weird right yes, water yes. is this like a thing like it's crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have well, so much space like we can be in different rooms it's crazy <laughs> For sure. And just like strong Wi-Fi, hot water, um, (laughs) easy access to like groceries and having what I need, you know, in the kitchen. Feels great. Um, But we were living in France for my husband and I were living in France for two years. So we did have an apartment in France uh, because the pandemic like changed that whole nomadic lifestyle. Um, So we, we did. I did have like that little settled experience in France, but it's been five years since I've lived in the U.S., during 2020 was actually the heaviest travel year that we had out of all the years that we traveled because Mm -hmm. it was really inexpensive to travel within the united states 
And so we did a lot of flying. We drove our camper all over because gas was like free. And we were able to um, sail on our boat um, in Texas and Florida. So it was like really fabulous. It was a great Amazing. time. Amazing. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. I, we were in Europe. So I definitely, once things opened up there, cause things were very restricted. Like we couldn't cross the border. We lived on the beach, but we had to wear a mask on the beach. And if a yeah, police they were doing officers, that in California, yeah. yeah, it was just wild. It was wild. But, um, I was very grateful when we were able to open things up and, um, pop over to Belgium, Italy, Slovenia, Luxembourg, you know, just make our rounds too, which was great. But, um, I feel you. It's like, at the same time, you got we got stuck for a while, but then once we were allowed, it was a great travel yeah. year too. Yeah, yeah. I was more of a like nobody's gonna stop me. I'll do whatever I want. Kind of <laughs> wild west. I do what I want. That's you know that's how Americans are, right? We're just like that. Um, so working on the road was really hard for me, and that's part of why I started working in uh we got a house because my online business started to take off and really i started to get a lot of clients and it was just was like trying to do that on the road was just more than i could really manage so i really give you props for like traveling and still running a business i've been running my own business since 2008 i owned yoga studios for a long time sold them and then um was living on the road didn't do anything for a couple of years and started teaching yoga on the beach in mexico again like dipping myself back in because i was kind of burned out from yoga from owning studios um owning studios is exhausting and um so i was really um the the 2020 thing was like just great because for the first time ever people were like yeah i'll do yoga online you want to do yoga teacher training online? Sure. And like, that's what I'm good at is teaching people to become yoga teachers. So I was like, I'm going to make my own online course. It's going to be great. And it has been great. It's like incredible. So oh, I yeah, that. I love it. I love how we're like, we're moving, we're changing and we're reaching like just such a global audience. And I really think that's fantastic. So what made you really just want to shift though, to have yoga as your main thing? Yeah, so uh, burnout, you know, was was that thing for me, and then I had kind of, could I kind of felt I had a big life change with a breakup um, with a long term partner, and I just said, you know what, what I want to do is grab my backpack and run, but what I made myself do is just stay. You know, got moved in with a friend and just stayed where I was, same job in marketing, um, still practicing yoga, and I just was like, I need to meditate on this. I need to like every day in shavasana let that inner voice just kind of come up and try to answer those questions had to be very patient for the right answer mm -hmm. to come but you know i just felt this huge just inner voice one day say oh become a yoga teacher and within like a week i had a plane ticket booked to Kathmandu, nepal i had my teacher training i had a month sabbatical off of work like boom 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 but i will acknowledge that i had been joking around with some friends um, about like all i want to just do is just yoga and meditate i just want to do yoga and meditate and so i think i knew it but you know i, I hadn't really yeah. said it i was like i need to retreat i need something but it's like oh and then you know with after starting that training very immediately I knew oh to do this this is what I'm supposed to be doing for sure it it just like you know opens everything up and the whole world this whole amazing community and 
I just said, I want to help other people connect with this and then also just help them on their own path um, to health and wellness and their, their inner journey. Because as a teacher, it's just a guide. I'm not the healer. I'm not the, um, the main show that every person is individually the main show. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting when you decide to make that shift from the corporate world into the yoga world, because, um, I grew up like very square peg, square hole, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, like this is the way that you do it. And you go to college and you get this corporate job and you work nine to five, Monday through Friday. And I remember like my first job calling my bio dad and being like, this seems awful. Like, why do people do this? This is like, I just go to work and I come home and watch TV. And then I go to work and come home and watch TV. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and work out and it's really boring. Why would I want to do this the rest of my life? And um, luckily, spirit intervened and I was laid off in 2008. <laughs> I just started teaching yoga full time. But um, but you know, it, there's a lot of fear for people around leaving the the like traditional way of making money. And it's like, can be like your, your heart was yearning for that and wanted that to open up to you. But your rational, logical mind was like, no, I can't do it. And then, but it's like just overtook and made it happen. So you've um, taken a number of different trainings. So tell us some of the different trainings that you've taken. Oh, yeah. So my 200 hours was in Hatha Vinyasa Yoga at Nepal Yoga Home in Kathmandu. Um, and then I've done some other trainings um, in India, like at Punya Yoga, this Ashtanga Alignment and Adjustment course, and then at Yoga Vedya Gurukul, that's in Nasik, India. And that's, uh, I, I did a Yoga Nidra training, a Yoga Philosophy and Psychology training, a prenatal yoga training. They're just amazing, amazing people. Um, and right now, currently, I'm actually in the middle of, and I highly recommend the accessible yoga teacher training with Jeevan on Heyman. Um, that's, I just started oh, last week. So we were just talking about him press. yesterday. We, I was just talking about him yesterday with a guest who uh, does photography for him. So that's crazy. Yeah, that must be a sign. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love getting to learn more about how just to no matter who walks or wheels into the yoga classroom, just being able to serve them and have no like hesitancy, like, oh, will this be safe? Oh, is right the right choice? Like, I just love that that's gonna make me as a teacher feel more comfortable. And then every student who enters the room feel more comfortable as well. Yeah, I had a student that was in a wheelchair that used to come to my class a long time ago, like when I first started teaching yoga so in Vegas, so like over 15 years ago. Um, cause I had been teaching in Miami for a long time and then moved to Vegas and started, um, teaching here. And I had a student in a wheelchair that would come in. What was always really fascinating by him, about him was that he really did not want me to modify the class for him. He would be like putting himself in headstands and like using the wall to like get himself into warrior poses. And he was like an awesome human, also a sailor, um, just an awesome human being. And, uh, I think that's really cool. Have you met Matthew Sanford? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, he's super cool too. He's in uh, Wisconsin and um, he wrote a book about how he was in a car accident and then started, he started a whole 
like yoga and wheelchairs movement. And he has like a studio. I don't know if he still has a studio in Wisconsin or not. It's been a long time. I saw him at Yoga Journal Conference like many years ago, but he has such a fascinating story about like changing his life and the whole world and bringing like something that was like for him very tragic into really big hope and and sharing through the practice of yoga even though he was in a wheelchair really 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 um incredible man mm. yeah definitely check him out will do <laughs> and hopefully our paths will cross and <laughs> like have you do you know him i'm like not yet but i will <laughs> <laughs> right right i know i need to reach out to him and be like be on the podcast um Anyhow, so um, so you traveled all over India. I've traveled all over India as well. And um, I was just talking about India the other day because it's just like India is just, it's like nowhere else. <laughs> it is a crazy place. And uh, I remember just like having a lot of like food anxiety in India, you know, and, and like bringing a lot of my own like backpacking food and like I have this like little rod that boils water and like making my own food in my rooms because the like we're not prepared. Our digestive systems are not prepared for India. <laughs> oh, I had no, I mean, I would say that I was probably like vomiting every two weeks, you know, like I, <laughs> I definitely, I would usually go for two months um, each trip. And I mean, yeah, you get ill, but I didn't bring any food with me. I like there's you can find bags of chips or or cups of ramen, you know, things that have been processed to the point where it's like this is completely safe. There is no shadow of a doubt that this bag of dried fava beans like could hurt me because it's been processed like a bag of Frito Olay chips. Like you just know it's safe. But also yeah. I would definitely eat it like the holes in the walls with like you see someone washing your dishes in a bucket and you're like, oh, but you know, I, I was pretty brave. Um, but again, I didn't think I couldn't have a single salad in two months. And that was pretty hard to have no raw vegetables, no, um, un or like the, like grapes, like pe grapes were offered to me almost daily, I feel like, but you can't eat grapes cause you can't peel grapes. So I think there's mm -hmm. just a lot to learn, um, just as a conscious traveler and being mindful of your, your belly and digestive and, India is amazing for the, I mean, yoga is amazing for the digestive system. Oh, it's so amazing, <laughs> right? but not good for the upset stomach when things are running too quickly. That is, that's the one thing it's not good for. Yeah. yeah. And toilet paper isn't like a real commodity there. Uh, in Rishikesh, um, there was a lady that was across from the, the bridge there and, um, she always had this pomegranate juice that I would drink like every day. Yeah, I were you in Lakshmandula? And yeah. the bridge to top event? Yeah, I went to the every morning as well. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, she's awesome. I love her. <laughs> and I then would be my own cup, though. That was my pro tip because she would just oh. rinse them out with like water and then pour it in your cup. So I would always have my well, own cup. That's why our experience was different because I drank out of her cup. I, mean, I, I don't blame her for listeners, but <laughs> pro tip. No, it's not. It's just a different microbiome, right? It's just we grew up with a different microbiome. It's not, there's nothing like wrong with it. It's just different. Um, but I walked from, we walked from there to the Beatles ashram. They call it the Beatles ashram, but it's not. But did you go there when you were there? Did you go to the ashram that the Beatles No, I, I never felt the need to. I mean, I spent, oh. uh, I've been in Rishkas for a month, two times. And I just, for me, it wasn't a need. 
Well, growing up, I was adopted and growing up, my adopted father was a huge fan of the Beatles, like big, like we had, he was like Beatlemania all over. And so with that, like came like, you know, just like this homage to my family and like having those memories as a child. And so, you know, and I remember my dad talking about it. So I was really excited to go because. Oh yeah, you had to then yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they had these like cool little meditation domes that you could like go and sit in and meditate. And it was really, it was fun. I, I'm like kind of ready to go back to India now, you know, like just bring a Z-Pack and get on the plane. <laughs> I always travel with Z-Packs as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I travel with like three different antibiotics um, and then just like a bag full of all of the, all of the pills, <laughs> Tums and, yeah. uh, you know, but actually I think that it's random, but I think the European uh, version of like Lamepresol or Tums is so much better than our version. Oh, uh, probably. Ours doesn't work, theirs works, so. I never have had Tums, so I don't really know, but um but probably everything in Europe is better. I know when I lived in France, I felt like everything was better there, especially the wine and the beer. <laughs> it's cheaper. It's so much cheaper too. It's just, yeah. it's embarrassing that you can get a, a really solid bottle of wine there for under 10 euros. And here, to, yeah. I mean, you can buy 10 euro, $10 bottles. You can, but like the quality is just really different. Right. They're not, they're not as good. I actually don't drink anymore at all. The sailing on a boat, living with sailors just broke me of alcohol altogether. Like having lived in Las Vegas for 25 years, I thought, oh, I can handle my alcohol. No, <laughs> sailors are true drinkers. <laughs> Impressive. <But> Impressive. <laughs> good though because um I found that like the more I live in alignment with the yamas and the niyamas the less the less I feel out of whack in my life in general no I love that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so um after you um studied in India uh when did you start teaching uh, so my first training was in Nepal. And so I, um, so I, that was in July of 2017. And then I came, I was on a month sabbatical. So while I just wanted to say like, see you later and never, and like, I'm leaving, um, I kind of did it the right way. So I went back home to the US and I um, transitioned out of my role. I gave them four weeks notice. You know, I just really knew that was going to be a tough I wanted to make sure I set them up for success and then sold, you know, things, packed things away. So I immediately after returning, I think I started teaching at a gym um, in a wellness. It was a wellness center, technically a wellness facility that within two weeks of getting back. So I got like a month in and then I was gone and I got a contract teaching yoga in a small island in Cambodia. So I started oh, that nice. you know, the end of Cambodia. Yeah, the end of November 2017. So it was kind of it was pretty fast. Um, and that's, I think, my recommendation for new yoga teachers, too, is just like, you, you got to start or else, you know, imposter yeah. syndrome will build and fears will build and everything just will build and build. Mm. So just kind of rip that bandaid off as fast as you can. Yeah. Start teaching right away. That's what I always tell people as well. Yeah. I, um, I love Cambodia. That's one of my favorite places that I visited. Which cities did you connect most with? Um, I didn't get to stay there as long I like spent a lot more time in Thailand I had like a month and so I spent most of my time in Thailand which I actually really did not like that much interesting um, where in Thailand yeah, were you 
there was a lot of there's a lot of sex tourism in Thailand and that was just like really heartbreaking for me um to watch not that they don't have that in Cambodia but um when I got to Cambodia like hearing everyone's stories and like the stories of the the killing fields and the Khmer Rouge and um how you know they were really just left behind by the world and so many people were murdered who um anyone with any kind of education for people yes. who are listening that don't I'm sure that you know Lily but anyone who's listening who don't know what happened in Cambodia anyone with any kind of education was killed anyone who spoke another language was killed they the government pushed it back to an agrarian society um in the name of communism and there are people living there right now without access to clean water um it's really an intense place to visit but that's also the home of angkor wat and the bodhisattva and um different forms of ancient enlightenment. Um, and so it was really an incredible place to visit. And I remember like I bought a lot of stuff for my studio uh, from people um, in, um, in Cambodia. And um, one lady just started crying and was like, you've changed my whole family's life by buying all these things. And I was like, yeah. oh, uh, I mean, I didn't mean it that way. I just was buying these pants for my studio, you know? <laughs> Um, but it's, it, I had a like reverse culture shock coming back to the United States and just feeling like really overwhelmed by how much we overconsume and how much of the world we're using, um, when so much of the world is suffering. And I have a really hard time with when Americans say like, oh, we are poor and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like the 1%. And I'm like, no, we are the 1%. We are the 1% of the world. Like we are taking all of the resources and most of the people in the world are living in like absolute poverty. Um, and I had a really hard time. I remember being in San Francisco, landing in San Francisco and there being a McDonald's and just being like, absolutely just, I couldn't even handle it. You know, like the hardest thing for me to see is grocery stores and the carts, like just seeing what every piling and piling and piling of things in carts. Yeah. That, that was really hard for me when I came back. Yeah, it's really, it's the juxtaposition between, you know, and in Thailand too, where it's like you go from one street to the next and there'll be people that are, you know, there'll be like the big tourist area and then the alley where everybody lives, you know? And you're like, wow, this is not what I expected. And then there's just all these like drunk Westerners, mostly Australians, um, just like completely out of awareness. It's really, it's, it, and to be like in a really like spiritual place, I, I just actually saw a documentary on Hulu about tourism and the first like person to ever really like white person or Westerner to go to um, Kopanang before they had the full whole moon party and before they had all this stuff built up, he was talking about how he went there and there was nothing there. Like there was no buildings or anything. And he went to this beautiful beach, which is now where the full moon party is. And he took a picture of it and he wrote a letter back home to his girlfriend about it 
And then he, this was in the seventies. And he said that he recently saw a picture of what it's like and was shocked. I mean, I, have you been there during a full moon party? No, no, I've only done the North of Thailand. So I did all the other parts, <laughs> um, which is probably why I didn't like Thailand as much. I, afterwards, I was like, I should have done um, the Northern parts and gone to like the ivory castle and stuff. But um, so he, um, it's like every night, every time they have this full moon party, there's just broken glass all over the beach and they have to go through and comb it. And, you know, it's the really like the impact of party tourism in that area of the world is really intense. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to, I don't know. I just sometimes I get really disappointed in humanity, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I understand. I mean, I don't drink when I'm in Asia and I don't participate in that, those type of activities. I also find it very sad um, that you're in an amazing country with so much to see and offer. And instead you want to drink until three in the morning and then sleep until 2 p.m. and then drink until three in the morning, sleep until two. You know, I think you're missing out on the whole purpose of being there. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But, you know, we each have our own karma saya to work out in our lifetime, right? So yeah. everybody's just working out what it is that they're supposed to work out and what they're supposed to do. All those samskaras. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what are you doing now? Yeah. So I just moved back to the U.S. As I mentioned, I'm teaching at a local studio here in Des Moines, Iowa. It's called Power Life. Um, I'm teaching a yin class and I'm loving it, loving reconnecting with people in person because I hadn't been able to teach in person for uh, a year and a half or so. So I was really on online world as well, which uh, was amazing to reconnect with students from around the world, from my travels and be like, hey, I'm, I'm doing Zoom yoga. I met you in Cambodia. Want to come? You know, like it was so great to do yeah. that and have that. Um, but I'm grateful to be in person as well. And I love my podcast, uh, the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast, getting to speak with yoga teachers from around the world. Uh, my goal is one yoga teacher for every country. And I, certain countries are going to be really hard, you know, like <laughs> uh, the UAE. That's going to be tough to find people from Qatar or uh, Kuwait. But we're going to we're doing my best um, with those. But it's I've been doing it for a year and a half. I'm on episode 70. So it's just always so beautiful and weird and amazing and crazy and silly. And I just like, I love hearing the stories and the perspective and the yoga teacher that like the, the best thing, one of the best things I think said that sticks with me right now. And I want to share is that a yoga teacher named Bonolo from uh, Botswana, she thinks that yoga is like a fairy godmother. And I loved that. I was like, oh, you know, it comes in, it takes care of you and it can go out again, but it can come back. And like how she described it, I was like, that's amazing. Like I would never have considered it yoga to be a fairy godmother. So I love the shifts of perspective and I love how yoga has changed, like changed people's lives and their whole family's lives, mm -hmm. being able to yeah. teach yoga. Um, it can change everything for certain yoga teachers and their paths and what they were involved in, or um, just even having a way to make income can change lives. So yeah. I, I love are, it. Are, are you familiar with the Africa Yoga Project in Kenya? Yep, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. I've interviewed quite a lot of teachers. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. And oh. uh, 
Yeah, I did an acro yoga training there. And um, uh, in Kenya? Yeah. 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 It, was, it was a really interesting trip, like, because where the, I was staying in the hotel where the studio's at, and you couldn't leave there without, like, they had guards and you, you were like escorted out of there. And um, it's really pretty intense. I had really bad check lag, but everyone is so nice. And Paige is like a really, really wonderful human being. Uh, she's the owner of the Africa Yoga Project. She's like the founder of it. And she uh, brought Baron Baptiste over and does Baptiste yoga there um, yeah. and takes people from the slums. And then she helps them to um, become yoga teachers and then move out of the slums and support their family. And it's, it's like an, it's yes. such an incredible project. It's yes. really, and the students are so nice and all the teachers are so wonderful. Um, I really enjoyed going there. It was a really, really in, a cool trip. I liked it. Amazing. Yes. I interviewed Samuel Muthama from Kenya. I've, I've definitely interviewed a lot of yoga teachers from and involved with or sponsored by the Africa Yoga Project, but his story was just so powerful because he was pulled from um, poverty and from more of a slum-like uh, background where he was selling um, drugs. And, you know, he's very open about this. And he was also selling water, jugs of water. And he was selling water to a yoga teacher. And he saw a little, um, you know, painting on the wall. And he was like, what's that? And then she explained about yoga, said, I'm interested. She got him connected. And now him, him and his brother are both yoga teachers. And their whole family is, has a, you know, they have an income. They, it has changed their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, it's, I think one of the coolest things about traveling is understanding just how, you know, we talk about like things being hard for us, but like when you see the slums in Mumbai and just how large they are um, and just understanding the impact that some people will live like that their entire lives. You know, one time in Varanasi, um, we always like to stay at guest houses, you know, because we like to get to know the local people. And um, the guy that had the guest house in Varanasi, he said to us, oh, look, it's such a beautiful day. Um, isn't the sun look great? And I'm like, what sun? You can't even see it. The smog is so thick. And it made me realize that like these people never see a blue sky in the entire time that they're on this planet. Like, what must that be like? You know, it's, it's incredible the way that the traveling will change people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We all need to listen. We all need to be more willing to hear stories and have experiences that put us out of our question or out of our comfort zone and make us question what's going on with how we're living and the structures that we have in place that are supporting certain things that might not be actually benefiting the entire planet. As you said, we're using so much resources. And I think if you travel and kind of get a sneak peek at, oh, do I actually need to have a closet full of clothes? Okay, let me be a hypocrite. I do definitely have more clothes than I need, but I have traveled with a backpack and that's all I've had. So it can be done. And I just think you need to have that change of perspective, that change of heart, that soul shifting, brain changing experience. And travel is just an amazing way to do it. I think too, like one thing I've learned is that, you know, my partner, Paul and I, we live really small. We've lived really small for many years. Um, we have the same things. I've had a lot of the same furniture for 
I'm almost 50 now. A lot of it I've had for my whole adulthood. Um, and we live in an older house it was built in 1951. You know, we don't live in a brand new neighborhood now. And, um, you know, when we lived on the boat, we lived in an older boat from 1980, you know, Morgan 382, beautiful sailboat. Um, but we also, what I finally like the realization I finally came to was that I can't feel guilty about it having pleasure from the things that are afforded to me by being an American. And those people that I met in my travels in Egypt and um, in Cambodia and in Central America and South America and, you know, uh, Africa, and they all were like, oh, American, American, I want to come and live American dream, you know? And so I kind of like felt like in a way that to live fully and to just fully appreciate everything that I had would be an honor to the people who wanted it so badly. You know, give what you can, help how you can. But I think it, we can't, I already grew up as a Catholic. I can't live guilty forever. Like we have to like at some point, you know, accept that this is where we are. Do what we can to help others. Recognize that um, how we can use less but not feel guilty by, you know, having an office in my home, you know, guilt yeah, is think, a wasted emotion. <laughs> oh, I think, I think that guilt is definitely an emotion that has a message to tell us like any emotion I've heard said, have people say like anger is a wasted emotion too, but oh, wow, what a messenger. So I think guilt's a messenger too, but as you alluded to, like growing up Catholic, or if you have just so much guilt embedded in you, I think it is such a, like a healthy, healthy process to unpack that, listen to that. And as you said, like find ways to let it go. And then maybe to, I don't know how to say it, but do better, you know, do other, make steps to do things right. that would help reduce that or, or help you mitigate it. I, I think that, yeah. I'm sorry that, that that's been such a, a heavy burden on you. <laughs> Well, I think it's all us Catholics have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> we, it's the way we were born. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's a big part of the Catholic Church. Uh, did you not? Wait, how did you? You grew up in the Midwest, right? You were. No, I grew up in. Um, no, in uh, Napa Valley, Sonoma County, California. Oh, okay. Okay. So very different, very different kind of thing. Good. Like where I grew up, people were very, very religious. So we like lived with a lot of you know, feeling bad about everything we did. <laughs> they raise us. I'm not sorry. It's okay. Like what I am today is formed by all of the, the hardships and traumas and the difficulties that I've gone through. I've been in the yoga world for 40 years. I've been teaching yoga for over 20 years now. I've owned three yoga studios. I've worked with thousands of people graduating my yoga teacher trainings in three different countries. Like I like, I have been able to help people and be of service to people in incredible ways. Amazing. And because I live the life that I have, that's why I, I do those things. That's why I can be of unique service to women who are in abusive relationships, people who are suffering from depression, people, because I've been there, you know, what your, what your pain is, is how we can serve, you know? Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
So if people would like to connect with you, what is the best ways to connect with you? Yeah. So um, my website is wildyogatribe.com. I'm on social media everywhere you can possibly be, it feels like, <laughs> at Wild Yoga Tribe. Yeah, Wild Yoga Tribe, it, uh, it's everywhere. So I'm doing my best to keep everything as active as possible. But I think Instagram is probably um, the most heavily utilized and my TikTok is growing, growing strong. So join me over there as well. And if there's any questions or anything's moving through you and you want to chat, wildyogatribe at gmail.com always works too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you. And it was great to hear your story. Definitely Thanks, Angelica. Enjoy your life out there in the Midwest. Woohoo. <laughs>